it's a yes bang maximum, the first of this contest. Oh, that is brilliant. It's a hero maximum. On the ground, on the ground, another hero maximum. Right, welcome back to the Maxim Cricket Podcast. My name is Munter, and we have a full crew on for episode 33. Uh, Lugsy and Jacko, it's been a minute. How are we all? Good, mate. Good. How are you? One more day of work, and then uh, yeah, yeah. a bit of time off, so happy days. Yeah, I'm, I'm very good. Thanks, mate. I was, I was going to say, most obviously, probably think with the number 33, maybe you're your Larry Birds, but I think certainly in our circles, it is, it is reserved for 33. Yeah, <laughs> your exports, your Scotty Pippins, your Simon Colonies. Yeah, these sort of guys. Yeah, and um, yeah. So the next big one will be episode three, three, three. Um, so just tune <laughs> in. Yeah, tune in uh, five years time. Um, so yeah, like this is this is obviously this will be a last podcast for twenty twenty two, and we thought, you know, let's do another mailbag pod. We had a good time last time, me and Lugsy, but. With uh, to have us all all three on board for a for a mail mailbag, it'll be a perfect way to sign the year off. Um, boys, we'll get we'll get straight into it. Uh, it's going to be around England Pakistan to start with. First question: How high is uh, Rehan Ahmed's ceiling? From David Murphy three four nine seven. First of all, you know, great question. I'm not going to go crazy and, and do the whole, you know, he's going to be the next Warney. But, you know, youngest men's test cricketer uh, for England at 18. In the second innings, he takes five for 48, becomes the youngest debutant to take a five for, uh, and sixth youngest ever. As much as I say it's hard, I don't want to go too crazy, it's pretty hard not to when you've got an 18-year-old leg spinner doing well. Um, mm. Boys, what do you make of him? Yeah, yeah, good player. Um, yeah, as you said, yes, fuck. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. He, he started with a hiss and a rule, but I suppose it's uh, when we're talking ceilings, it's going to be going to be tough to, I suppose, for him to play home games for England until Leach retires. Um, look, he's going to be in that Test squad for the next. I mean, if he keeps playing like this, fifteen years. So, um, yeah, maybe England's greatest spinner. There you go. <laughs> It's a hugely high ceiling, Jack. Out right that highly. Yeah, it's these are like these are the more the the questions I feel that are more like you want to answer with a bit of fun rather than than take it too seriously because trying to put a ceiling on a guy who's like eighteen years old is pretty a pretty tough ask and and sometimes if to put the ceiling too high it's sort of not even beneficial for the guy. Yeah, I think the thing with most cricketers, I think you've sort of got two big times in your career and one's right at the start, because you're unknown at this point. So you've sort of – it is actually one of the best chances to do well because soon enough he would have played 10, 15 tests. There'll be that much tape on him. Everyone will sort of figure out his balls, and that's when it gets a lot harder. So you're almost one of your best chances to actually do well. And we'll probably see it with Harry Brook, who we'll get to a bit later, is actually right at the start. So I don't know. It's always fun, obviously, to talk about young guys and, and their ceiling, but – the best thing to do is just sort of give it 20 tests, you know, 15, 20 tests and see, mm-hmm. see from there where we're going. He's earned, he's earned himself, like, he'll be in the test squad now, like, for a wee bit. He'll sort of be around these boys. He'll be a subcontinent tourist and probably play in the subcontinent for a bit. But, yeah, it's going to take some breaking into that England side, especially at home. 
Yeah, at home, at home is probably going to be the test. Like he's not going to play every test from now on and like for the next fifteen years, sort of thing. But he he's only played in like good spinning conditions. It'll be interesting to see how he goes. And um, like Jacko said, home conditions because it does feel like Test cricket's moving away from league spinners. Uh, it mm. does does become t- tougher because people just want accuracy, which a finger spinner can can give you that. But it's not like Jack Leach is Nathan Lyon or Ashwin. Like he's not that kind of level. So it, I wouldn't say he's locked it up forever. Like there's a, there's a place, and I think he can also bat, which is which is quite handy because he could bat away around that sort of eight. Um, you know, Nighthawk Nighthawk Junior. Um, he's been named, which I mean we could probably touch on on now. Uh, it wasn't a question, but. Uh, England chucking a minute three. Like, how does that uh, sit with you, boys? Yeah, I suppose it's like turning up in an away test series. Like, this is just Stokes's leadership at a at a pinnacle is what it's getting thrown out at. But like, I mean, he gets out, Stokes gets out, and two other blokes get out to spin that night. Like, suddenly it's a disaster. It's like, why the fuck have you sent a guy in to have a look? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm never a fan of like, – I'm barely over the line for Night Watchmen. So, yeah, Nighthawk's in the bin. Um, I just think on that, though, what an, like, what an insane environment he's came into it. Like, you really oh. couldn't ask for anything better. No, he's been 100%. absolutely brimming with confidence. And, and I'm sure Stokes and Baz are just, like, feeding him up and, you know, just telling him to express himself and sort of – go out and do his thing. So you couldn't – and maybe that was just even a small part of it. Like, let's just – this young guy's full of confidence. Let's just give him a crack out there. I mean, would you want that being, being the go-to in all tests? Probably not. It feels a bit junior cricket, but <laughs> – Yeah. feels a bit reverse the order. How you going, doesn't it? Yeah, like, oh. as, as we were saying, it's sort of more of like when you're in junior cricket and there's a guy that sort of bats nine and doesn't bowl, and then occasionally, like – we got to chuck this guy in at three just to say we've done something with him for the season. But that wasn't the case in this one. And so, yeah, I mean, fun for him, but I don't know if you'd want to be in the norm. It feels a touch disrespectful to the opposition, mm. just, a, just a wee bit, because it's like your own, like, I don't know, like, why wouldn't you just send out your number three? <laughs> like, your normal, it's not like, it's not like Pope's been like blocking up one end. Um, like he's been going at like ninety, so I mean, hey, that's they what they won. So what are you what are you going to do? You know, speaking of that test, we'll we'll go on to our next question. Another sort of superstar, probably a lot further along. Um, well, definitely actually. Uh, th- so this question is thoughts on Harry Brook. Uh, can, I just, is, can I just butt in with um, yeah. how much I enjoyed that question? Just thoughts on Harry Brook. <laughs> <laughs> sort of just very open. We can take that anywhere we like. Yeah, just just general yeah. thoughts. General thoughts on Harry Brook. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I like it. Um, so, like, well, you know, let's start with the stats. You know, four tests, four hundred and eighty runs at eighty, with a strike rate of ninety-two. This is Test cricket, by the way. Three hundreds in his in six innings, and his second in his second test, he hit six fours in an over, and then responded with uh, there were six bare balls. I put them away. Uh, and then that's the most that was the most by an Englishman in, in a test for an over. Then in the second innings, he broke that record. Uh, man of the match in the last two tests and man of this man of the series. Uh, fair to say, this kid's pretty good. Boys, 
What I probably was most impressed about him was not necessarily the quick fire 150 in the first years, although, I mean, it was impressive. But I would say just the fact that in the next two tests in tougher conditions, he can change gears to suit and still score runs. I mean, I'm massively, I think he's going to be fucking good. Uh, Where do you boys sit? Uh, yeah, let's wait and see what he does on a green one at the Gabba, probably. Um, <laughs> can't score runs in England. Yeah, fuck, I bet he can't score runs in England. Nah, um, yeah, I mean, obviously a pretty impressive like start. Um, it's probably to have that freedom in, in Test 1 to, I think he struck at like 120 or 110 in, in Test 1 when they were just going ballistic and like on debut on like probably the biggest day of your cricketing life to like have the freedom and stuff to go out and do that. I think that's probably more like a um, reflection of the environment, not just his ability. Um, Because there's plenty of guys that play cricket now that could do that, but then like probably aren't put in a position to do that, uh, if that makes sense. So, yeah, yeah, he's he's obviously fucking one hell of a stick, but um, I think everything has just culminated to like this perfect sort of first tour for him and yeah ho- hopefully it's uh sky's the limit um but yeah hell of a decision when Bearstow comes back yeah i think i think um that you, you hit the you've all sort of hit the nail on the head of like there's a combination of things here one take nothing away from an absolutely insane series and and to see him like not just go out and smash it like in that first innings, which was absolutely insane that first innings of that first test but then to dig in a bit harder in the in the second and third test as well and still do a job. But I think it still is a valid point to say like what's you know, what are we gonna be looking at ten to fifteen and tests and when he's played had to go to Aussie, South Africa, play back at home in England, like the working over of test cricket sort of test after test and delivering game after game. Sort of mm. same thing I said earlier, like this is a start now where yeah, his weaknesses probably aren't exposed as much as they will get exposed. Like everything, yeah. every- video and whatnot. Yeah, and the yeah. video they'll watch on him, even if it's only a small weakness, like there will be one, and it will get peppered. So then he's sort of just got to find that answer of, of finding a way of his weaknesses not to go out. But I mean, yeah, take nothing away from the, these guys. It's absolutely insane what they're doing, and yeah, pretty impressive. Yeah, he sort of he reminds me of like a young Kevin Peterson. Like I know Stokes, Stokes was saying he, he could be like Coley playing all three formats, which feels aggressive to just call someone Coley. Um, but like Kevin Peterson, he just reminds me just the levers, just the way he sort of yeah, picks yeah, up, long. just long levers. Like he's sort of playing spin so well. He seems to like pull it, pull it when it's like halfway up the stumps, but. You know, he can obviously, yeah, it's going to be interesting when they, he does have to dig in. Like, you know, Lugsy, you said, there's, there's going to be harder, you know, get the Ashes next year. Um, even even the two tests in New Zealand, uh, you know, if we, p- we prepare some green seamers, it could be interesting. Yeah, but I think this, this kind of like, this three-format player, because I guess like Harry Brooks got the opportunity to be a three-format sort of player, and it does... And it sort of links in with uh, our next question from a listener. Um, the question is, do you think sides should have three format players or just format specialists Specialists uh, by ZJTAR27? 
I guess like it does feel like we are losing more and more three format players from world cricket with the amount of games scheduled. Like it doesn't seem to be slowing down. I mean, sometimes we've got two teams playing at the same time, sort of stuff. Um, Harry Brooks, like he can play all three formats, but will it last? I don't know. But like I would say, like with nations like New Zealand, the smaller nations with a bit of less coin, I think you'll see more three format players just because. Like they don't get paid as much as those big three nations where they can afford to specialise. Like a, a lot of people talk about Jimmy Anderson and, and and how the best thing he did was to stop playing white ball cricket in twenty after twenty fifteen. Like I can't imagine like Tim Southey could have done that a while ago, and he would and he would have been he probably could have played he could, probably could play till he's thirty eight. But I I can't imagine he could afford to do that like playing four or five tests a year, you know, not not going to the IPL, things like that. Whereas, you know, in England, I'm sure Jimmy's on fucking good coin playing test cricket for England. Um, but, you know, then again, you know, teams like New Zealand might not play test cricket for much longer, so who knows. Um, boys, uh, what are your what are your thoughts? Well, I think the, sort of the, the question shaped around should teams have free format players? Um, and I don't really – I mean, ideally, you, you would just pick your best 11 players in each format for me. Um, I think yeah. nowadays the, the players are so versed in, like, having to adjust from from format to format that if they're good enough to play all three, then they can. That's no problem. And I guess is, is it better to have the same blokes always around each other? Um, there's probably an argument for that, but I'd, I'd say there's an argument the other way as well in terms of getting – sort of fresh players in and always, you know, keeping things moving in a side. Um, but I think the question, as I say, is shaped at teams, but I think it's more on the players these days. Um, it's going to be our players wanting to be free format players or, or are they going to look at the schedule and decide, like, I'm white ball or I'm red ball or am I T20s and tests and, and just skip the ODI format? So I think as much as, as sort of the teams would like to have their their pick of all players available. I think that this is further and further just looking into like players making the call on that and not the teams. Yeah, for sure. I think it comes down to like a, a couple of things of like where your players are going to sit on their list is like T20 cricket is what pays the bills and Red Bull cricket is what, what drives a lot of players. Um, so a, a lot of players will have Red Bull cricket sort of long format cricket as their pinnacle. Like, most guys that want to make it in cricket want to make it in first-class cricket. Like Their sort of dream is to play that first first-class game or that first test for New Zealand. Um, and then sort of playing the T20 is, is what actually uh, sort of makes you your money in your career. So um, I can see, as we've sort of discussed, we could see the one-day format eventually just falling away. Um, and then you are going to just have sort of two format players. But... Yeah, I suppose it, it just comes down to the crossover. Like your 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 skill set is the same. Like most guys have all the shots, but um, some guys like want to do it for five days, and some guys want to do it for for three hours. So yeah, it, it comes down to the individual. It comes down to scheduling, as you said. Like New Zealand, you probably don't have the leverage. Like if you look at someone like a Wagner, um, he's a test specialist. He might play four games for New Zealand a year. Like I can't, he's not not playing a lot of games for New Zealand. So, um, 
yeah, for the, those smaller countries who are putting resources into less guys, they'll be wanting to get their money's worth, so they'll be wanting three format players. Um, but yeah, the the bigger mm. nations that that have that money to throw around, they just want the best team on the park, and and they probably probably don't give a fuck if they've got eleven guys playing in each format, three different places in the world, as long as they've they think they're putting out a good product and putting out a good team. Um, they probably they probably couldn't care less. The player, I think you're right that the player will probably have the final say. Like, like if they're good enough, they can probably do it. I think no matter what, like I think we'll have less and less three format players, but it's still going to be a case of where of if they're a superstar, they'll they will be able to transfer those skills. I do think like the skills of the three formats are starting to move away from each other. Like I think, like my sort of example is someone like a Pat Cummins, who is without doubt the best te- uh, the best test bowler in the world. I don't think there's much of a discussion. I feel like he's been that for the last two three years. But for some reason, you look at him in the T20s, and he's pretty average. And you think, like, how can someone be so good at bowling? not transfer those skills to T20. And I just think that potentially he hasn't had the time to actually work on those skills because he's like, well, now he's a test captain. He's so invested in test cricket that, like, he still wants to play T20s. And why wouldn't you? Like you said, it's it's what pays the bills. But I don't know if we'll ever see the best T20 bowler version of Pat Cummins, if you know what I mean. You say that about Cummins, and you could say that potentially about Hazelwood, but Hazelwood, for some reason, always plays well when he plays international T20s. So it's like, yeah, yeah, it's just it comes down to like the the one ball batters are now looking for in T20 cricket is like pace on top of off stump, like heavy length, which is probably Pat Cummins' strength. Which like if you have to defend for four days, is fucking hard. Mm. But if you just have to try and like hit it over the stands, it's actually like the ball you're looking for. So, yeah, as you said, that skill set that these guys require is actually now more like bowling a Yorkers, having your slower balls. And yeah, Cummins probably just had, is an example of someone that probably hasn't spent the time on the circuit to to develop that and those skill sets. And I think it's, it is an interesting thing, though, because you're dead right with the bowling. Cause, and, and we'll just use Cummins on that example, like, He's a guy that, and Hazelwood, I guess, although he is bowling well in the T20s, but like a lot of these test bowlers are guys that hit the same length over and over and just set you up and set you up, but it's not really possible, obviously, when you've only got four overs to work with. Um, like even in that last test, I think like the first few overs Aussie bowled, obviously, was a bit like, they, they were criticising it quite a bit, quite a bit, and I don't think it was that bad. But it was like, you know, he didn't get his radar going for a few overs, and in t- T20s, that'd be it for him. In Test cricket, he can actually bowl a six, seven, eight-over spell and sort of work the guy over. So there is a big difference there. Um, but then on the other hand, it feels like batting's never felt sort of closer together between, like, T20s and mm-hmm. Tests away. So so it's int- it is the bowling, I, I definitely agree, it's... Like there is two different lengths to bowl T20s and Tests, but then on the other side, as I say, batting just feels like it's, it's almost the same cricket at the moment. Yeah, it's interesting because I remember um, Peterson talking about it when he started doing the T20 circuit. Like he was sort of one of the early pioneers of that. And I think he was playing three, maybe four, but he was still playing um, like red ball cricket for his county, and he mm. was just like 
I actually just need time betting to like feel like I'm a better because he basically was like, well, if I go to these leagues and have a shit 10 games, I might face 100 balls in a game in, in six weeks. And then he's like, well, I'm nowhere. Like I play one day of Red Bull cricket and I face double that. So it's, it's interesting because the, the batting side of it, there's that batsmanship and yeah, no, nothing for batters like actually hitting balls in games, um, no matter what that sort of format is. So um, yeah, batters I think seems to be, the more cricket they play, the better they seem to go. But yeah, the bowlers, it's, as Crom said, it's it's just drawing further apart for the bowlers. So yeah, you, you, you probably see more batters doing it, but yeah, you don't see many bowlers doing it and that's probably going to get like a, a bigger and bigger gap do we think look i know I, I put this that question to you guys the other day in our chat but do we think do we think the schedules could allow the bowlers to be three format players a bit more if we if we scheduled if we scheduled a bit better instead of just chopping and changing uh formats all over the show like i think it was that video from brad hogg that just he, he was sort of saying like older bowlers are a bit more conditioned like his theory was they're more conditioned because they were just playing the same format a lot, whereas nowadays bowlers have to change formats all the time, and therefore they can't sort of like it's hard. It must be hard to get their loads. Like Jackson, you'll probably you'll you'll probably understand that a bit more than I would. But do you think there's something that could be could be done there with the schedules? Yeah, it's it it is tough because I mean you look at the. The schedules could be adjusted, but the problem is the schedules, especially for smaller domestic comps, are always going to be like to schedule the big money stuff during like the best time. Mm. So like if you take New Zealand, for example, we start with first class cricket, then a bit of one day cricket, super smashes over the summer break, and then like we reverse out. So we do one day cricket and then Red Bull cricket to finish. And it's basically just because that's your your window to make revenue because you've yeah. got you've got um people on holiday people want things to do people have time on their hand the weather's the best like all of that plays into it whereas if you did it the other way around and you had half the super smash in like shitty cold conditions in september and then in april when everyone's sick of cricket like the money's just going to go away mm. and you're going to have first class cricket getting played over christmas when and like you know one's going to come and watch that so yeah, it's just it's it's all comes down to revenue, and unfortunately, that's gonna gonna hinder the way. Because ideally, you would do T Twenties at the start, then one day is then Red Bull cricket to finish, and you just try and mar that up. But because the Black Caps play year round, you're never going to be able to do sort of seasonal for the for the Black Caps. And then yeah, the domestic game is is so centered around having the sort of premier competition when when there's people around looking for things to do. Yeah, I think that's dead on. Like, could yeah. could a schedule be you know done better to to make loads you know easier for bowlers and build up and everything? Absolutely, but I just don't think that's where anyone's heads at at the at the moment. I think they'll just, as I say, it's you probably just rather they're, we're just thinking like there's going to be guys that some play T20, some play Tests, and that's just how it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah, no, well summed up, boys. I think, to, yeah, to sum up, uh, could it be better? Yes. Will it get better? Uh, probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so our next question uh, is a good one because we were just talking about losing revenue. Why is it if a test finishes in two days because of spin, it's a problem, but two days for seamers, it's a contest? 
from the real Sheldon 69. Um, <laughs> fuck um, well, it could be like a Verinda Saywag sort of uh, burner there, actually. Um, now, obvi- obviously, this is, you know, this is to do with the Gabba test between South Africa and Australia, where we had the first two-day test in Australia since the 90s, 1930s or something. Um, so that's, you know, three days of revenue gone. Here you go. Uh, South Africa all out for 142, Australia 218 in reply. South Africa 99 all out. Australia losing four wickets, chasing 30 odd, 34 wickets in two days. All the Indians licking their lips, ready to spray everyone, I bet. Saywag had an interesting tweet uh, saying 142 overs and not even lasting two days. And they have the audacity to lecture on what kind of pitches we need. Had it happened in India, it would have been labelled the end of Test cricket, ruining Test cricket and whatnot. The hypocrisy is mind blowing. Now, obviously, you know the two-day test he's referring to is the India and England one twenty twenty-one when England got pants. Um, I've got a couple of questions I'll put out there, and then I'll hand over to you boys. First of all, Verinder, can't both wickets just be bad? Like, I'm not sure. There's many people questioning whether or not it's a pitch that's good for batting or bowling. Mm. And that also doesn't make a Bunsen burner a good pitch either. Like they're just both shit. Uh, and yeah. lastly, to completely contradict myself, why do I find these two-day shoot- shootouts so bloody good to watch? Like watching Australia chase 30-odd with Rabada just breathing fire the other night was unbelievable. Uh, boys, your thoughts? Yeah, um, bit, bit to unpack from the real Sheldon 69. Um yeah, we'll leave, we'll leave it up to a few of the boys in the comments to think who that could be. Um, but, yeah, I think, like, my biggest thing for why it seems that a Bunsen burner is, like, way worse than what happens at the Gabba is because you've got to actually, like, prepare a wicket beyond a good wicket to turn it into a Bunsen burner. Like, you can't just fucking take the Gabba and overnight, like, turn that into a Bunsen burner. Like... In a couple of days, the Gabba would have been a, a road and a pretty good surface. Like that was just underdone. Um, but, like, you've actually got to be, like, right, we've got to, like, make this fucking dry. We've got to try our best to make sure it's going to break up. Like, you've actually got to put in quite a bit of work to make sure it spins. Whereas, like, producing something at the Gabba, fuck, water it a bit, leave heaps of grass on it and roll it hard so it's, like, going to do bits. <laughs> like, it's, like, it's almost like the effort that goes into it, like, if you make it's a Bunsen under, burner, underprepared, isn't it? Yeah, like if you make a Bunsen burner, you've like overcooked it. You've gone out of your way to make sure it's going to be like that. Whereas I think the Gabba, like, just a touch underdone. Like, did he have the schedule wrong? Maybe he thought like that test was supposed to start Sunday, potentially. <laughs> just got the calendar wrong. Sorry, boys. Um, but yeah, and it, and as you said, shit, it's fucking spectacle, isn't it? I reckon if it goes into two days, add a third innings for each team. That's outrageous as a batsman to think about failing three times in one. Time. <laughs> I'll tell you that now. Dave Warner will be like, nah, nah. If, I, if I'm on a pair, I'm refusing to bat again. I'll tell you. Imagine that. you think a triple pair. Well, what do you call that? It's what do you actually call three three ducks? Three ducks in a game. Well, I dare say it's never happened before, Matt. So. <laughs> There's no name for it. I think. I mean, like the obvious thing to say here is. Fast bowling and good fast bowling is still a lot funner to watch. Sorry, India. Like, that's the easiest answer to this question of why it 
it was fun. It was, because that was a hell of a lot of fun to watch and watching people, you know, trying to face spin bowling when the ball's not bouncing or it's turning sideways just isn't as fun. Um, that's the first thing. I think why in my head, I guess, and I said this in the chat a bit, is like in my head this test sort of got a pass is because it wasn't that unpredictable. Like we sort of knew South Africa's batting wasn't up to chop and their bowling was unbelievable. So mm. to see them get rolled and then fire back and roll Aussie, it just it was almost like it was what we expected to happen. And it felt like really good fast bowling prevailing. Um, and not just shocking batting or, or like or any sort of negative cricket. It felt like good, positive, fast bowling, mm. good cricket. So I think there's just a huge difference, like just from a viewing experience to feel like you're watching really good cricket rather than just watching blokes trying to survive. Um, mm-hmm. That was just the biggest difference for me. I think obviously a two-day test isn't ideal. And like I remember back in the day when Aussie had that superstar team and that, and they kept rolling everyone, you know, three or four days. And there was actually talk like from Channel Nine over there about what they're going to do about it, like that they were weren't prepared to pay for a fifth day of cricket, which is pretty <laughs> unbelievable. Um, but yeah, so do I want two day cricket to continue? No, but is what we've seen in that Test match a lot better than watching a dust bowl in India? I'm sorry, but it is. Well, I think. To I've sort of come around on the dust bowl pitch as being exciting just because we've been watching some fucking dreadful cricket in Pakistan outside of this England <laughs> stuff. Like both of them are far better than like batting paradises. So like a, like a, a five day draw, like that's just that both teams are just racking up six hundred. Like that's got to be in the bin and. I would rather watch two-day shootouts than that, like on either pitches. But I just think, like, it's not – we're not far away from the secret sauce here for Test cricket. <laughs> like, we're not that far. We're pretty, we're pretty close. Like, it just felt like there was something in, in that watching ball dominate bat, but maybe not that much. Maybe just like a – just a fraction too much spice, mainly because, like, you've got two – unbelievable attacks and you've got one decent batting lineup like because it was it was funny like i i could have watched that africa bowl to australia all like for fucking five days straight 100 yeah. but to watching south africa bat it was like mm, no nah, they just don't look good <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. like it was it was it was sort of different it was like we just need a little bit less juice in the wicket just give it a bit more like just prepare a little bit but still we, we want the ball to dominate the bat mm. but maybe not that much i think aussie's innings was more close to what we would if we could have got four innings like aussies where guys are having to dig in and work hard but like a couple of them can actually do it and play their shots like trevor's head and steve smith to a smaller extent there like that that seemed a good level of if you got four innings of that that's it and it goes sort of yeah it's a test on yeah. I think the problem is that pitch that pitch was getting harder and harder to bat. Just like the first day was probably the best day to bat. Like it was soft. And then like it just it was like they were, it was having those like like a, it was too soft and then like there was like indentations from the ball. And then as the pitch was quicking up quickening up, there was like it was just divots. Mm. So like it would like one would rear up, then one would rear down, and it's like 
you know, you don't need like Australia don't need that to get these South African batters out. Um, so that's probably where it went a went astray. But you like you said, Lugsy, like if you get two hundred, you know, around like four scores around two hundred, and I think I'm I'm in, I'm into that. I mean, mm. and also like a team could always get rolled because we've got you know twenty twenty sides getting rolled for fifteen out here, so. <laughs> You know, some yeah, responsibility. So yeah. Some some responsibility on the betting, please. What did, yeah. what what do you think that pitch got rated? Oh, superb! Oh, it's one of the best highlight packages you watch. Yeah, uh, they, genuinely, they were lucky to get to fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> they were. They should. They, they should have been genu- like almost bowled out for single figures. Like they made. They got. They were fifteen was far away at one point. Yeah, clapping one one boundary. Yeah. One boundary. 10, 10 for nine, and that guy has just been like done all like ends over defending, but just a huge inside edge down for four. It was like, oh, last last partnership was six runs. <laughs> we're not. Regard I mean, action. Do, do we do touch on a few few moments we've been involved in games like this, or one in particular? Oh. Uh, it sounds like it's on the tip of your tongue there, Lugsy. Do you want to do you want to lead us lead us off with a potential example? Well, if we could just get producer Gav to, to focus the camera on me here, put a uh, cut this one up for the tube. But turn, turn the TikTok camera on. Uh, there was a there was an experience I was involved in, sort of sort of a few years ago now. Um, similar to timing to to time like this, where I think Christmas might have been Monday or Tuesday. Um, so there was a bit of debate if they'd played the round before that. So it was very close. Um, and obviously the game went ahead. So the game was on like the 22nd or something. And obviously mm, the Friday night was cool. Uh, yeah, very close to Christmas. Um, and more importantly, sort of very close to Tradies Day. Yeah. So <laughs> Tradies, <laughs> happened to be the, Tradies happened to be the Friday night. Yeah, day after. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, there was a fair bit of talk about like, are we going to, are guys, you know, we gonna, is there a chance we postpone this game? Because there's probably going to be a few sore heads around whatnot. Um we may or may not have spoken to GI. Um, I think they were keen to play, so it all went ahead. Um, long story short, I've sort of obviously we've got on the booze the night before, um, to the point where I'm having a shot with one Harry Jones at 9 a.m. Um, for a 9:15 pickup. Um, so I've gone, I've gone to this game, you know, sort of very booze still. Uh, Michael McKenzie, our coach at the time, pretty unimpressed as I rock up. <laughs> um, clearly quite rotten. Um, not my finest hour. I've you know, I've gone into the warm ups and really tried to tried to attack the first ball to make sure I looked good and I've clean fell on my face. <laughs> so I'm sort of, you know, at that point I'm hit on the ground panicking a wee bit. Um, thankfully we've won the toss and we've decided to bowl. Um, GI they they haven't warmed up at all, which apparently they never did, but you know, for a few of us that were still, you know, a bit booed, that you know, that really annoyed us like these guys are taking us that lightly. Um, a strong GI. A very strong GI side and, and dare I say quite a poor Tyree side, so they should have taken us lightly. Um, <laughs> we started the game and, and we've got a couple early and, like, we're sort of four for two here and the boys are, you know, quite fizzing and um, Gregor actually clipped one. I was at square leg. He's clipped one to me and it's actually gone clean from my legs. Um, so Chris <laughs> is still pulling a bit of his hair out at me and I'm sort of getting a wee bit embarrassed, but... Anyway, we roll on and we, we take them we take another couple and we've got them about nine for four and 
like any any sort of time you're thinking like, oh God, there'll probably be someone that comes out and whacks a few. But it just continued. Suddenly we've got them sort of fifth band for five. This is a very good GI side. They're 21 for six against the Tyree at Sunnyvale. Um, and they've ended up all out sort of 31-32 and one of the great moments in Tyree history. The one last good part of this is I was, I was meant to bat four and obviously um, Dylan Lobb and Blair Sofa were opening the bowling for GI and they basically came out and probably bowled one of the fastest spells I've seen. Oh, I'm saying 98% of the spell was short. Um, <laughs> and we've sent Clint Hayward and Sam Pringle out there and I've never been prouder of those two men. They copped a couple on the chest. They uh, got a couple away, and we've won by ten wickets. And I tell you what, we're back on the we're back on the piss by twelve thirty. So that, that's probably the biggest one I've been a part of. That's a dream sort of stuff. Because like you're you're sort of right. Like normally you have a team, you know, seven eight for spit, and then there's always a partnership in there mm. somewhere. Like I I can't remember anything too vividly. Um, some junior, sort of junior cricket stuff. Like you, you, you see a lot of junior uh, teams get rolled. Um, we, we lost, we lost seven wickets in a power play in a T Twenty once. That was fucking pretty bad. <laughs> I have to say, we might have we, actually been eight. I came, I was there's not nine. a lot. There's not a lot of time in that power play, though. Oh my lord! I came out at nine, and our, we had. Um, he probably probably did the rounds in his evening, but we had Harsh Vizvodaya playing for us. I don't know if you know the name. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he played, anyways, he played for Tyra a bit. Yeah, so we, we seven down in the power play. I come out to bat, like nearly breaks my wrist with a fist pump when I saw him. <laughs> he goes, fucking me and you, Jacko, we've got 15 overs here. Like, we get us to something. Like, oh, yeah, sweet, mate. Like, sounds good. And he's like, just like no wafting outside off, like no nothing. Like, we're just going to knuckle down, get through, get through. I'm like, yeah, sweet. He faces the next ball and just has a like launches into this cover drive, nicks off to the keeper, and then just like was honestly like a what the fuck are you doing, mate? Like you've just revved me up and then you've snicked <laughs> off and we've lost eight in the power play. Wow. That is um that's quite something. That's quite something. Um Yeah, on that note, um, should we move on to our, our next question, which is around coaching? Uh like I'd imagine, Jacka, your coach was Pulling his, uh, pulling his hair out at that point. Um, so this question here is, how much impact do you think the coach plays on culture? From Reese Bailey. Uh, great question from our Reese. Uh, of course, former teammate from myself, uh, for myself and Jacko. Famously nicked Lockie Ferguson through the sub cordon for six as a 17-year-old uh, years ago. Actually, since I, yeah, since I brought that up, we do have a question relating to a, to a story I've got about that day. So I'm going to jump the queue mm. uh, and then bring another question in from a shelf of Meads, a uh, former teammate of Lugsy and even myself. Because he was – well, he's actually kind of just asking for a story, but it does relate to Reese. So just sort of bear with me. Uh, so he's asked, inspired by Munter's mate bowling bumpers at third grade uh, at a third-grade team, I would love to hear if the lads have a story around a hothead moment a moment when someone has just broken character and taken things a little too far. Um, now, this is about Lockie Ferguson. I, I will preface it by saying this was a long time ago. I don't know Lockie. I don't know if this is breaking character. Uh, I'm going to assume that he's not like this now. No, it seems pretty on brand from what I see. 
Yes, it's, uh, it's pretty questionable stuff he was saying, to be fair. Uh, we're talking, oh, so this yeah. is 11, 11 years ago. So it's a long time ago. So he would have been, fuck, early 20s, um, if that. And, you know, he's bowling quick, like fucking quick. The quickest I've ever seen in my life. And as I said, you know, we've got guys nicking it through the slips. And he's he's telling he's telling these blokes, like we've got a 17-year-old, we've got another guy. He's telling um, he's telling them, I'm not going to get you out. I'm going to retire you hurt. <laughs> now, that's I'll just retire, just leave. Yeah, I'll, I'll, that's, bet, I'll bet behind the wicketkeeper, I think. Yeah, yeah like he's like he's cleaned up Reese. He's cleaned out yeah. Reese three times. Like we do just need to preface this like nicking through the slip corner for six. Like the boundary was inside the thirty meter circle, so like, wasn't massive. Yeah, yeah, like it sounds outrageous, but when you see it, like it still is outrageous. Um, but they basically had like f- uh, five, like five third men that. <laughs> like sort of like they were cordons, like you didn't need a third man, and it just goes straight through for six. And he cleaned up a, a young Reese Bailey. Um, I believe how he cl- how did cleaned Coltsy him up. Go? What's that? How did Coltsy go? Oh, I don't remember. I, I know he got a duck. I know he, I know he sprayed I know he sprayed Lockie after Reese had a six. <laughs> which probably would which I wouldn't rate. Um, but yeah, no, he cleaned up Reese uh, with a no ball, cleaned him up on the free hit and then cleaned him up for real. Um, which is which is good stuff. So, yeah, it's when you know you're uh, probably a bit too good. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that's that's my yarn, uh, boys. You got anything like that? Or we had a we had a good one. Bloke in a two day got a paper bag and slog sweep the stumps. Um, <laughs> which was probably my favourite <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, I think all the all the stories I have when, when we're talking about like breaking character are, are pretty like on brand for the person. Like you've got you know potheads in cricket, and they sort of just they they go off every few games, and everyone else is pretty calm. Um, we had a, our opening bowler um, wasn't going to mention his name, but Jack Hunter. He was he was always very calm on the field, um, but always a great one for like as soon as he was back in the changing room with a with a summit or a, um, he was actually a big Billy Mav guy. Um, he was just a good one for being like, gee, they sucked, didn't they? Or, gee, that guy sucked. Like, terrifically nice guy. I wouldn't say a peep on the field, but did love a spray as soon as the boys were in the locker room. Um, yeah. Yeah, everyone else was pretty pretty good. Yeah. Nah, nice, nice. Always good to see a, a blow up. Um, yeah, I suppose uh, suppose you should get to Reese's question around mm. uh, coaches' impact on culture. Yeah. Um, Look, you know, I reckon it depends on the level of cricket. I think the coach, had, like at junior cricket, they have obviously they have more impact on culture. Um, and as you go up the grades, it's sort of less and less. Um, I think at like the higher level, I think, which is probably where the question is directed. I'm not, I don't know if they don't not have importance. They probably have, I think they have less importance in terms of impact, like compared to the captain. Mm. Um, just because I, I think the captain probably has to be the person that actually gets others to buy into what you're doing. Like, you know, if you look at Stokes and McCullum. Probably the root of this question, isn't it? Is it Stokes yeah. or McCullum that's causing the revelation for England? Well, he, was, he was actually directing it at, at New Zealand, but we'll, we'll sort of, we will touch on that. But as my example, sort of, you know, McCullum, he's potentially sold a vision to Stokes on like, this is, you know, we can save test cricket. 
Um, we, you know, we're in, in, we're in the entertainment business, but you know, you, this is your, you, your team. We need like, yep. it's the Stokes' show from then, you know, that's why, you know, McCollum's come out and said, you know, that he's done, that he doesn't do anything anymore. Um, you know, he's obviously doing a bit more than that, but I think he just probably helps, helps out, uh, putting the pieces in place for Stokes to just play how he wants. Um, mm. you, what do you boys think? Yeah, I think I think probably the biggest thing like culture comes down to is your coach's relationship probably with your captain. Like your coach, especially in high level cricket, you've got you've got your bowling coach which handles the skill for your bowlers, you've got your batting coach. So your your main coach has basically got sort of sort of two jobs and that's strategy and like sort of team morale and, and sort of trying to be that voice. So this is just my opinion. So I feel like if some, like McCullum is coming in and he's basically going to Stokes, he's like, right, how do you want to play your cricket and how can I be the person to facilitate this in the best way? Um, I think like McCullum hit the nail on the head in terms of like he's creating a culture where like when it's the players succeeding, he wants to put it all on the players. Like in that first test series, he said he's not going to talk to the media when they win, but he'll be the he'll be the face when when they lose. Um, mm. And like you saw that a bit with Crawley, like Crawley was failing and failing and failing, and McCullum was like, like there to be sort of that that shield. Mm. Um, so I think yeah, it, it depends on the person. Like McCullum's obviously like a culture guy, isn't he? Like New Zealand, arguably like when we played our best cricket, like most exciting brand of cricket, it's because McCullum was at the helm, um, and then now he's at the helm of this English side. Like some guys just have that natural like this is the this is the environment they want to have. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the coach plays a massive role. Like as we've seen with that Aussie side, like Lang is obviously like a notorious hothead, and that sort of created that culture of guys being on sort of eggshells around him. Mm. Um, so it's more more your coach's temperament is going to determine like that general feel in the team. Yeah, Lang is obviously like regressed and Aussie did well but he still got the sack um, but yeah McCullum obviously has that that very like elevates his players when they're doing well takes the criticism when they're not and so that's just like giving them even more and more freedom so yeah I suppose it's it's a two-way street but I think your coach coach has a lot to a lot to do with it really because they set they set your dressing room tone um, if you don't feel your coach is approachable or like you feel like he's going to be blowing off at you when you fail and, and all of that like it's probably more the performance environment the coach creates um, and the performance culture as opposed to like how good the boys are on the piss sort of thing yeah I, I think it's it's it is really important that it's like as you say as, as you get up the levels like your coach is, is less skill based now like as a person and he's more there to sort of and then it's talked about more I guess in other sports other than cricket but like a lot of these young guys get these older coaches and sort of see them as like father figures and it's more like creating an environment for the players to where they can be their best and sort of, especially with a lot of these young guys, it's like a lot of, you know, it's really growing as a person and in and, and, and that way becoming a better sportsman. So I think it is huge. I think the biggest, the biggest role is sort of just to create, to make sure there's no issues within a side and sort of, um, make sure they're respected, I guess. Like, you got to, especially in, in team sports, when you've got like a big blend of players um, and probably in personalities, and you need them to all come together and sort of have that one vision and one goal. You really need a coach that is respected. Um, 
So, I mean, like, Bear, it's an interesting one with Bears because he's one of the sort of younger coaches around. Um, and you feel like if it, it could, with, any, with a lot of other guys, it could almost be like he's too buddy-buddy. And um, But for some reason with him, it seems to be like working perfect. And probably because a lot of these guys have looked up to him. Um, like, that respect is there. So I think that's sort of one of the biggest things with the coach is like just making sure they're respected um, and can bring a team together. It's, it's less sort of about the skill um, and everything like that. But So that's where I think Baz is doing unbelievably well. Um, but, like, I guess it's, yeah, it is sort of um, – there's different sides to it as well because you could say Langer lost the locker room and yet they still succeeded. So that's the argument to why I guess it doesn't matter as much as maybe some of us think. Mm, that's, that's a fair point. Aussie sides of, you know – of McGrath and Warren and that, they were basically just from all accounts coaching themselves and sort of anyone could have been in charge there. So there's, there's always different sides of it. Yep. Yeah, no, it's fair. And uh, McCullum's yeah. sort of showing everyone he's, he's still got it, winning that six-hitting competition, which is... That's yeah, one that's... of the sort of the things that made me think, like, with anyone else, this could so easily be, like, too buddy-buddy and, and there's not enough respect for him, but he obviously still has that respect as well as being able to sort of play around with them oh yeah the, the respect is I'm, I'm actually better than i'm actually still better than you guys um, yeah. <laughs> that's that's where the respect is um yeah. he, mccullum actually just felt things slipping a touch and got stokes out there i eh? called him out <laughs> yeah imagine if it was like a, just a call out like it's like a wwe yeah. sort of championship bout imagine, sort of that, thing. imagine that eh? like fuck where's how we settle things in this uh in this camp it's a six inning comp because <laughs> it's it is one of those things though with like it's probably less talked about in cricket whereas in like and maybe it's just because the egos in some of those American sports are just like so much bigger and these guys are just such big superstars but like yeah you yeah. always hear about mm. like Phil Jackson and that their biggest role is just to to make everyone believe it's a team rather than you know like just Jordan or just Kobe but it's probably less of a thing in in cricket yeah and I think as well like cricket is such a like especially like probably where culture comes in the most is in test cricket because like basically you have to build the culture because test cricket is such an examination, like such a long format sport that your fucking like your rah-rah coaches are just never going to get the job done. Like, I mean, like if, you use, if you use basketball or like rugby or something, for example, like you're looking at like you don't, you're not out there for 80 minutes, you're out there for five days. So you can't have that that rah-rah environment you've almost got to sort of make sure you're a bit more even keel and just make sure guys are in a, in a state to perform instead of like hyping like having that those up those ups and downs as such if we use like test cricket as the example because it was interesting that if we want to talk about the you know Kane Williamson stepping down from the test team and Sally stepping up um but then Gary Stead's sort of staying there and, and talking about the team wanting the team to play with a bit more positivity um i i found that interesting sort of statement that he made because he's he was part of the side that started to play negatively if you know what i mean like so is that is that sort of saying that the coach doesn't have any impact on how how they play i don't know but um that's an interesting one what, what do you boys think of the Oh, the new skipper, and I guess like Gary sticking around. Yeah, I suppose it's like they they want a voice change, don't they? Like Kane is voice one, Tom's been voice two, 
um, and it just sort of potentially feels like the bowlers just sort of do their own thing and and sort of don't have that final word. So yeah, maybe maybe they are looking for just a little bit more freedom. And I suppose Southie's got that that moniker of he's a bit more of a jokester, like a bit more of that sort of ilk. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It feel, feels a bit hard done by for Tom. Um, that'll be the the red and black man inside of me. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but like if the message wasn't there. I don't know how it's changing by making Southie captain because, as you said, like the coach is the same, the leadership group's probably exactly the same. Like you can't tell me Tim was just sitting there twiddling his thumbs for the last fifteen years of his career, and then suddenly he's going to be this like team leader. Like it's probably him, Tom, Kane have been the leadership group since McCullum left. So yeah, I don't I don't really understand how how his voice being the last one is going to change much in the environment but I mean hopefully it does but yeah it, it, seem, it seems a weird one that you're basically just changing changing the next to one of the guys in the same group with the same coach's name and you're expecting a different result mm. yeah it is it is interesting it'll be interesting to see this first test um, if there is any sort of st- strategy change I guess the biggest thing we're looking for is like is are we going to be a bit more aggressive or um, is anything going to change there? Because I mean, it's one thing that's it's done in sport, and I guess in life as well, is, is people copy what's succeeding for others, you know? So the, mm. the next few years in cricket, you'll probably see more and more teams sort of adapt and try and do what England are doing because um, it's proving successful at the moment. That Obviously, that's going to not work for everyone, um, but it tends to be how, how sport goes as, as a style comes in and everyone adapts to it. Um, the Gary Steed thing, you're right, is interesting because it's it feels like um, yeah, like with England with with Ruta ste- stepping down and then Baz coming in, it, it really did feel like quite fresh. Um, mm. Stokes had been in the team obviously as well, but it did seem like they were sort of Stokes. It just it just needed to be something new, and and he was new. It had the support of Root obviously, but but with Baz there as well, it, it did seem a lot different with. As Jacko said, like this just feels like we're just switching the sea, but maybe not a lot will change. And, and as Jacko said, we hope it does. And maybe Tim, you know, just with that scene next to his name, does feel like he can speak up, you know, even more. Um, it's a tough one with like coach as well, with how long is a you know a good length of time to have a coach in charge. Like tough to do all three formats as well. Yeah, I mean, you can only listen to someone for so long you know, without starting to feel like he's repeating himself or it's the same message or, like, as much as the players might respect him, it, it does feel like, you know, after a while you're just listening to the same voice and, and maybe you do need some fresh ideas. So, I don't know. The next, yeah, the next few series are going to be pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess sort of speaking of that, like, you know, the test squad's been named and that. That leads us to another question, um, real short to the point stuff. Um, Martin Guptill still in uh, from Naman K. Singh. Now, I'm going to assume that he's asking about the ODI squad for Pakistan and India. If so, the answer is no. Uh, probably not much else to add to that. I mean, I guess we'll touch, we'll touch on the squad as a whole. Um, I mean, Guptill's at the Renegades, isn't he, like? I don't think he. I don't think he's in anywhere. Nah, he's not. So, so like the squad, the squad for 
for those ODIs, you know, you've got we've got three match in Pakistan. We've got uh, we've got three. Uh, I think we've got three. Um, we've got three in India, I think. After that, might be more. I'm not sure. Um, we've got Kane Williamson. He's just playing the Pakistan ODIs. Tom Latham, he's playing both, but he's kept them in the year, ODIs. Um, Finn Allen, Michael Bracewell, Mark Chapman, he's playing the uh, Indian ones. Devin Conway, friend of the show, Jacob Duffy, uh, India ODIs, Lockie Ferguson, Matt Henry, Adam Milne, Daryl Mitchell, Henry Nichols, Glenn Phillips, Mitchell Santner, Henry Shipley, Ish Sodi, and Tim Southey's playing the Pakistan ODIs. So I guess the big talking point... Um, Friend of the show, Jake Duffy, back in the side. They obviously felt the public pressure after we called them out a few times. And Henry Shipley in line to make his Black Caps debut after averaging 11 with the ball in the Ford Trophy this year. Jacko, you probably know a little bit more about him than I do. Uh, is, so he's a is a bowling all-rounder or would he be a genuine all-rounder? Yeah, so friend, friend of the show, Henry Shipley, definitely... Um He's probably more leaning towards an, a genuine all-rounder. Um, nice. Like he, he's made the Canterbury side when he's had some injury issues as a batter at times. Um, sort of when the Black Caps have been away and, and some New Zealand A guys have been away. So, yeah, he's uh, he's actually pretty close, I'd say, to being a genuine all-rounder. Um, and, yeah, just, just a tall timber, gets his arm high, Bowls the ball from from real height and and uh, and gets it doing doing quite a fair bit. So um, yeah, I think he's been been in the frame for a, for a little bit now. Um, had some niggly injuries at times when I think a call up was pretty close. So sort of great great to see him there. Um, yeah, just he's got all three facets of the game are, are pretty good. So yeah, pretty keen to see how he's going to go at the next level. And yeah, I'm 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 guessing big things are ahead from. How quick are we talking? Yeah, so probably he's, I'm going to say he's, I'm going to say he's in, in, into the one thirties. Yeah, he's quick yeah. and he's tall. Like he's yeah, a meter bounce. Yeah, like he's he's sort of Kyle Jameson, like proper height, and he uses oh, yeah. all of it with uses all of it with his actions. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely a handful. That's like that length always feels like it's hitting stickers. That sort of thing. So, yeah, I'd I'd say in in the one thirties and. But feels like a a big handful. Nice, nice. Uh, Lugsy, anything you want to touch on with the ODI squad? Yeah, just I guess yeah, like the amount of players as as sort of you mentioned there of like playing some of the games. Um, sort of, I guess that's that's what we've talked about a bit on this pod and others. Like, is probably the future. You know, you take more guys than you normally would, and some play these days, and some play the the different series. It's Probably not what we grew up on, but probably is the future. And just, I would say, not a not the easiest schedule for the boys. I know you just touched on it last week, <laughs> but we've got Christmas over here. We've had a pretty tough winter, and the boys have been sent to sent to Pakistan and mm. India to enjoy. Well, I think um, it's <laughs> with the squad. I think it's the guys that have India only. They they're playing the Pakistan one day, isn't the India one day, is up there? And I think the T Twenty squads getting announced before those those games. So. I guess the, the one positive, and, and I guess like these young guys will be, the big thing about touring India now is you perform there and you're in line for a WIPL contract. So mm. I'm assuming it's a pretty exciting tour for the boys, though, as much as, as we might not rate it in the midst of our summer. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
That's what I heard from I messaged a friend of the show, Jacob Duffy, to congratulate him, and he said, uh, "Yep, next stop IPL." So that's where the heads are at. Death on his way. Um, (laughs) Good place to pick some sticks up from the boys. Got sort of the inside word out of that NZA tour. Um, Yeah, apparently the few of the guys really were asking the question: "Is it my bat or my ability that's holding me back?" Um, (laughs) I've always thought that. I've always that. I've always thought that myself. I think I think after the, f- the first game of that tour, they said the sound that some of those guys' bats making was like fucking different gravy, and they've all gone out and dropped like <laughs> thousands of US dollars on fucking ECS cannons. I um, would love if something came out in the next few years and like these Indians are just using way different bats. <laughs> they're all they're right, all caught. They're all caught like fucking like, baseball. Talking <laughs> to the few of the boys that talking to through the few of the boys that went on that tour, it honestly sounds like they could be. Yeah, cricket needs, you know, we had sandpaper gates. We're a couple of years away from another good scandal, I reckon. Oh, mm. Barry, Barry Bonds. Yeah, it'd be good for the pot, actually. Called <laughs> bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Okay, righto. I've got, I've got one last question. Uh, this, is, this is basically for Simon, I think. Um, <laughs> is, is Messi the goat from HA... <laughs> 4R1S. For for the very few people that didn't know, this question is obviously about around the Football World Cup final. Argentina-France, penalties, Messi scoring two, Mbappe a Hattie. I mean, I think the GOAT's Don Bradman. Um, that's 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 the GOAT. Uh, Lugsy, as a big Ronaldo fan, the biggest I know, um, do you want to sort of take this question? Look, I, I think I was very um, respectful of Messi on that on the day. Um, I gave him his moment, the wee rat. Um, <laughs> I congratulated him. And, and all seriousness, I, the scenes out of Argentina have been unbelievable. Like holy, that video of the that video of their parade today is like one of the most unbelievable things I've ever oh, seen. That is that is genuinely like. 80, 90% of what I love about sport. Like, yeah. I love that that can, you know, there's like, what, 15 guys in that Argentinian team and they're just making millions of people feel oh, that good. Oh. There's like 4 million people on the streets of Buenos Aires today. Yeah, That's it's wild, absolute insane. Eh? Well, they've had to do their parade in a helicopter because they couldn't get the bus <laughs> through, apparently. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, if there's any, uh, any sort of, like, you're not sure about, you know, is football the number one sport? Really, sort of put to bed real quick. <laughs> mm. We got about three people deep at the All Blacks parade when we won in twenty eleven. So, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, so the like, I'm glad they 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 had their moment. Um, as I said, I fair play to the guy. But I mean, first of all, let me just say the the word goat, as I've talked to you about in a few weeks ago, like. Well, this has got to go. This word, yeah, it's, it's out of control. It's the most over overused word in all the sport. Out or not out, using the word goat. Oh, I've had such a gutsful, and what a noise of goats! People literally be like, "Here are the goats." <laughs> Here are the goats. It's the greatest of all time. There's one of them, and that's it. Like we're not. Yeah. There's no goats. Well, yeah, I've had an absolute gutsful of that word for starters. Yeah, is mm. legend is legend not enough? Like, is that yeah. is that not mm. enough anymore? Like, you can't just call people a legend, a legend of the game. No, it has to be. Yeah, the like, goat. how do you how, yeah. do you how do you determine the beast goat if you've got fucking eight goats up there? And also, yeah. like, I'll tell you how the amount of Facebook posts I've seen, like, ha ha, Ronaldo, only the second best player ever. 
Uh, hold on. Imagine <laughs> insulting a guy by calling him the second greatest footballer of all time. Oh. Um, so ridiculous, ridiculous from everyone posting about that. Um, yeah. Imagine out of every player that's ever played the game and these two guys that have just like their whole careers have been debated whether either of them's the best and now one of them wins a World Cup and it's like, well, Ronaldo, now you're shit. Yeah. Oh, man, but, um, let's, see, let's see Messi win a, win a Euros. Yeah, <laughs> he won't. I'll tell you that. Um, um, but but I, do, do, who do you reckon are the worst? Like the worst fan, like the, the fan base disparity between like Messi, Ronaldo, uh, mm. Michael Jordan, LeBron, or like Coley and Baba Azam. Um, LeBron, LeBron, and Jordan, because you've got that generation gap. Yeah, yeah, LeBron, that's true. LeBron versus Jordan just becomes a like. Did you like what year were you born? Because if you were born after the fucking probably ninety five, you're gonna say LeBron. And if you're born before that, Jordan's six rings are the best thing since last bread. The Bubba versus Coley one's actually sneaky though, because like that's dangerously personal. Yeah, it get, it's getting quite political as well. Like it's it's that Indian Pakistan thing. Yeah. Um, that that's yeah. that definitely comes down to like two nations with a like a history of not getting along, trying to. Get their man over the line. And getting getting back to the original question, just to end it, like, here's the thing with me, and I'll I completely admit it's probably irrational, but like, Messi could have could have scored three goals in every game of that World Cup, gone through unbeaten, and I would have still been sitting here saying Ronaldo's better. So there's just you know there's just no rationale to it. I think Ronaldo's better. I like yeah. Ronaldo more. And you're always going to back your own horse, aren't you? Yeah, hundred percent. He's better looking. So there you go. <laughs> He's better looking, so yeah. rigs tighter. Much better rig. <laughs> yeah, if we're talking, are we talking rig? Ba- like we're talking rig based, or he's got more followers, more followers on Instagram. Mm. Mm. He would have been easily. Is unlike Messi. Mm, didn't he get in a bit of trouble for that? What was that, sir? Didn't Ronaldo get in a bit of trouble for that too? Yeah, can Gav Jacko's cutting out there? What's <laughs> in all seriousness they're just two unreal players so just enjoy them both 100% yeah I think and as you get on that it's like that thing isn't it if you get up in arms massively about it like why don't you just fucking take a step back and enjoy like genuinely watching like two of the better players to ever play a sport like at their peak and then just be happy with that yep at some point, Messi will retire. At some point, Ronaldo will retire. At some point, Coley's going to retire. You know, all, all these good players are going to retire. Like, just enjoy mm. them while they're, while they're here. And well, saying so that, and saying that Kane's group. the best of the big four, and I'll fucking die on that hill. <laughs> yeah. Because if yep. any of my friends outside, <laughs> outside of Regan Caldicott tell me Messi's the go, when I know full well they went up at 3.30 a.m. every Saturday and Sunday watching him, then I can't take you seriously. <laughs> Just a side note on uh, on that Fab Four that you brought up. Just a wee. Uh, I was going to wrap up, but you sort of um, you sort of roll them up a little bit there. Um, really, <laughs> really winds me up when people people try and say, "Oh, Barbara's arm is now in the in the Fab Four, or Manus is in the Fab Four. That's not what the mm. Fab Four is. Like the, the these nah. like Coley, Smith, Root, Williamson. They're the Fab Four because they basically all came in at the same time. Like. And they were all good at the same time. That's why they're the Fab Four. It's not because they're the four best batters. Batters, no. Well, I mean they are, but like just like they're they're on the decline again. No, you like you don't call one through four in the ICC Test rankings the Fab Four, do you? Like 
it's a moment in time. It's a like it's a way to recognize like there was a point in time where these four were the fucking best in the world and like they still are in the upper echelon of players. 100%. 100%. Right. Okay. Probably should wrap up. Um, right. That is us for 2022. Um, we're going to catch you guys early January. Boys are having a week off to enjoy their Christmas and New Year's plans. Uh, uh, fa- our family's heading away to the in-laws' crib for a week. Bit of golf, a few beers, bit of water action. Um, boys, many, many plans over the break? Nah, work, work stews, et cetera. Years winding up, so get get that out of the way. And then, yeah, bit of, bit of R&R before yeah, TMC to the moon in 2023. Yeah, a bit of R&R for Jacko and a bit of R&A for Cromedy. So... <laughs> Bench around to our 13th New Year's uh, at a festival in a row, and we'll, we'll see what we can do out there. It's a true veteran of, the, of that sport. Um, love, love to see it. Who, who, who is who's the Messi to your Ronaldo when it comes to going to New Year's festivals, Crom? I'll tell you what I'd say. Ricky, friend of the show, Ricky Black's getting up there. I swear, <laughs> about five years ago, we thought it was, it was probably time to wrap it up, and and here we are again. So. Hmm. Beautiful. You never know when your last one will be, though, so you just got to keep keep enjoying them. I think you guys are, like, pushing each other, like Messi and Ronaldo. Yeah. Just pushing, pushing each other to, to, to be the best. Yeah, and I, I'm going to just rescind from the GOAT debate and just sort of watch two guys in their prime go to New Year's festies until one of them kills over. <laughs> just a couple of legends. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect, perfect. Okay, righto. Uh, you know, massive, massive thank you to our listeners tuning in week to week anyone who's rated and reviewed and of course our patrons it's been around seven months since we released the first episode and now we are at 33 uh lugsy jacko you guys have really helped take tmc to another level and hopefully we can continue to grow in 2023 have a good christmas boys and we will catch you in the new year too easy thanks too easy merry christmas